tonight. Happy to be here. Amen. Just going to sing some songs, have some worship. Maybe we could all just stand. We want to worship it in spirit and truth tonight. Amen. Amen. There's a scripture that says, Victor and I were speaking about it today. It says, in vain do they worship me. We're not the, the they. We're the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Let's worship him tonight in spirit and truth. Bring our licks of fire into this house. Let's just sing a song, Let the Worshippers Arise. Oh, Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my Sons and daughters, 
about ourselves, arise as worshipers, amen. sing these songs of praise and worship to him. Amen. He's here, amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And bless the Lord. 
bless his name tonight, amen. We just turned to prayer. We have Sister Cora Chen has written a request. Please pray for my mother, Lee Ping. She's on her way to hospital, very weak and in pain. Please pray God heals her of the cancer attacking her body. And remember that need tonight. Remember the Tim come to bring the word. Brother Michael, maybe you could come. Let's just sing as Brother Michael comes that little song. I don't know how well we know it, but just been on my heart all day. Jesus, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Oh, Jesus, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Indeed, we love you tonight with a great love. Lord, how could we even compare? Lord, how could our lips express tonight? Lord, and compare to the love that you have for us, Lord, as a songwriter penned down because you care. Because you cared for each one in this building tonight, you bankrupt glory and came down onto a cross, Lord, because you cared for the sick and the dying, because you cared for the lost and the crippled, you cared for those that were lost and undone without God or His Son, and so therefore, you reach down your hand for each one that's here in this building tonight. Why? Because you loved us, Lord, because you care, oh God. We could surely sing that song over and over, and Lord, 10,000 words, oh God, as we already said, 
sang couldn't say it enough to tell you how much we love you. Lord, that we can worship you tonight. Lord, as Brother Dan has mentioned in spirit and in truth, Lord, how many worship their gods and they're in some spirit, but they don't worship in truth. Lord, that we could come tonight in this little building, in this little sanctuary, and we can worship in spirit, but we can also worship in truth, Lord, because you've opened a word in this day. Lord, we're not worshiping in vain. We're not worshiping for naught, but Lord Jesus, we worship because we've been given the real unveiled word in this hour. Oh God, that's why we can sing, I love you, I love you. Lord, that you cared that we would know, Lord, who you are. You would care that, that we would, you would be unveiled to us. That we don't, Lord, worship just a God of, Lord, of the unknown, a God of mystery. But it's a God unveiled to us today. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that you would move. I think, Lord, that you would walk these paths, Lord, 2,000 years ago. Lord, and how word would spread that Jesus was in the area. Jesus is in, the, in this village. And Lord, they'd start to gather and they'd start to walk. And as they'd walk, they'd start to rehearse what they'd heard you do previous times before. Lord, surely maybe we've been rehearsing today. Lord, what you've done before in our midst, Lord. And what you've done in times past. So that we could come tonight and encounter you. Lord, expecting that you'll do something wonderful. Something supernatural again in our midst, oh God. Lord, that's what we desire tonight, that you take your servant, Brother Tim, in the palm of your hand. Lord, and you loose your words through his lips, oh God. Lord, you take the vessel and pour yourself into him, that, Lord, he could pour out, Lord Jesus, that we could be lifted up into your presence this evening. Lord, we remember Sister Cora's mother tonight. Lord, you healed the crippled, you healed the lame, you healed the blind, you healed the sick. Lord, you're the same God today. Would you hear, heal our sister's mom of cancer? Your prophet spoke a message. Do you fear cancer? Lord, we can shout back at the enemy and say no, because perfect love casts out all fear. And oh God, we've had Sister Ramona, Lord, Sister Francine, Brother Peter, Lord. We have those in our midst, oh God, that have been healed of cancer. That's why we can stand here tonight in prayer and in worship, stand before a living God with the God at our side and stand before a devil and say, we don't fear what you throw at us because our God is more than able. So Jesus, we commit Sister Cora's mom to you. We rebuke the demon in Jesus Christ's name. Your prophet said, that's what you did. You cast him out. So Lord, by the authority you've given your people, we cast that demon out of our sister in Jesus Christ's name tonight. Lord, we commit this service to you. We lay it at your feet. Set this aside this day. Set aside our troubles and our burdens. And Lord, may we be so focused, so laser focused on what you desire to speak tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit this service now. Goodness of God, Brother Ben. I just want to welcome some couple of visitors here. Some visitors from Tennessee, Brother Joe and Sister Jennifer Hara. Maybe you could stand. We could all welcome you. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We got Paul Arrowwood, I believe. If you could stand. Welcome. Yeah, you're not a visitor. God bless you. Welcome home. Good to see you. And Brother EBA. Welcome to the EBA. Well, good to have you back, bro. Amen. We believe in the goodness of God tonight, don't we? Amen. Let's just sing this wonderful song. Oh, I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. 
thank you for your grace and your mercy, Father. We thank you for your never-ending, your never-failing words of promise to us, O God. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, that you have been a good, good God, and you will continue to be a good, good God. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, that we will hear from you, Lord, once again. We have confidence in your word, Lord Jesus. We have confidence in you tonight, Lord Jesus. Speak to our souls once again, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name.
Blessed be thy name, O Lord, because you're God. You're worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory. All majesty is thine, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. We bless your name, O Lord. We humble ourselves. We lift up holy hands. We declare the glory of your name. We declare the glory of your majesty. Blessed be thy name, O God, worthy of all praise. Glory, glory unto the Most High God. Glory to the Most High. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, you are worthy, worthy of all praise. All glory, all honor, all majesty, every good word, every, every word describing perfection and power and greatness belongs unto you, O oh God. We humble ourselves, Lord. As we sang earlier, Lord, we don't deserve your blessings, but you have blessed us. Lord, you have watched over us. You have poured in abundantly. We want to come tonight rejoicing, entering your gates with thanksgiving, coming into your courts with praise. Amazing grace is a sweet sound, O oh Lord. We are all saved by that grace because of the faith that you did allow us to have. We love you, Lord. Father, how we love you. Lord, as we bow in your presence, we turn back now the pages of your word. We invite you, Lord, just to take preeminence. Any man is just a gift, whatever gift, however small it might be. Lord, it needs you to come and use the gift. Lord, as the people can use the gift by pulling, but Lord, I pray you'd be honored to use the gift tonight. And may you just have your way and glorify thy holy name as we Commit the reading of the word and the speaking of it into your hands for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of John, chapter 1. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to be here with you, see every one of you. We thank God for his mercies this far along our earthly journey. We don't know how long we have. This might be our last service. Might not be collectively, might be a last service for somebody. Might be my last service. I think somebody mentioned that recently. We never know, but we love him regardless. Our life will not end. Our journey on this earth may end, but our life will never end. He that believeth on me, Jesus said, shall never perish, but have everlasting life. And so we thank God for that. Just want to read familiar scripture tonight. Let's pick it up in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Amen. The Lord add His blessing to the Word. You may have your seats. Hold your Bibles open. We'll just go reading a little bit further. Now, it says, in the beginning was the Word, but before the beginning was just God. God was alone in His thoughts, but then the beginning, as, as 
The mind of God counts time or counts existence, the beginning of creation, the beginning of the expression of God, the beginning of the purpose of God. The very beginning becomes the Word or the Logos, the very thought and expression of God. And the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Brother Branham said this Logos, which came out from God, this was the Son of God. That was the very essence and attribute that come from God. His, all of his thoughts were there. And I'll read you a quote here in just a moment. But I just want to just bring our minds together because I'm jumping in with both feet. Are you with me? Yeah. Are you ready for this this morning, this evening? It says... All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We're going to jump down to verse 10. He, that's still the Logos, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now his own pertaining not just to Israel, but his own pertaining to the elect that did not recognize him even as Paul, which we may refer to later, refers to Israel unto whom belongs the adoption, unto whom belongs the covenant, unto whom belongs the promises. These were the elect of God and he came amongst Israel and they didn't recognize him. And it says, uh, they knew him not, received him not, but... As many as received him, and Brother Jean on last Wednesday referred to this, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, but were born not by sexual desire, but of God. All right, We're all coming to the world by sexual desire. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We come into the world speaking lies. That's not, that doesn't make us sons of God. And that does not empower us, as Brother Jean ministered last week so well, does not empower us to be sons of God. But when you are born of God, that gives you the power to be who you always were. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1 to John 14, the Word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it traces God to Logos, to light, to, or to life, to light, down into flesh, the only begotten of the Father, establishing that the Logos was God Himself. You know, Brother Branham says in one place, God lived in a three-room house, just like we do. His three rooms was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God living in three houses, or three rooms rather, and just like you live in body, spirit, and soul. Now, the Logos became flesh, and when the Logos became flesh, God spoke from another dimension and of this flesh tabernacle, and said, this is my beloved son. Right? This is my beloved son. So in that expression of him, he is beloved, and I, I wanted to bring it all to this point, all that was in him is beloved. 
Beloved is a form of agapo. Beloved is the, is the adjective form. There's agape, agapo, and agapetos. Agapetos in the Bible is beloved. And so the very, God is saying here, this is my beloved son. This is, this is the one in whom I have filled with my own type of love. My love is expressed to him. My love is expressed in him. And my love is expressed through him. Amen. Now, as Jesus was an attribute, so are we attributes. And I, I just, I, I just, Brother John did it so well last Wednesday. I, had, I told him he did such a tremendous job, and uh, uh, bring it, preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the light of the message. And I think that's very, very important because there's some things about the Holy Ghost that were spoken of under a man anointing. But we have come under an eagle anointing. It's a different anointing. Same Holy Ghost, but it's a different anointing. And so the, the word must be preached under that anointing. Now, Brother Branham says in the message, Who is this Melchizedek? Describing the Logos, he, and he says, Now we find him at the beginning, his attributes. Now you were with him then. Are you with me? He says, then is when the book of life comes into view. All right? So John 1 is when the book of life comes into view. Now you have to remember that the Lamb's book of life that was claimed in Revelation chapter 5 was revealed to be opened in Revelation 10, was given to the bride in Revelation 10 and 7 and 10 and 8, and we were told to eat the book as John was a type of the bride of Jesus Christ. That book in the book of Revelations is a symbol. The book of Revelations is a book of symbols, whether it be the mighty angel, whether it be the lamb, whether it be the, uh, uh, the living creatures, these ones, these different ones, these are all symbolic of what they were representing. It's not, not a physical book, but it's a representation of the attributes of God that was expressed here in John chapter 1. When the Logos come out from God, in him was attributes. And Brother Branham says, you were in him there. You believe that? All right, these things have been taught by others here in this pulpit before. He says, then is when the book of life comes into view. He says, you were there in his attributes. You don't remember it. No, because you're just a part of his life. You are a part of God when you become a son or daughter of God, just as you are a part of your earthly father. All right, so notice those two connections there. As you're a part of your earthly father, in other words, as you were born in sin, as you were born of natural desire, so also are you a part of God. You came out from God, not of natural desire, but of supernatural desire. You come in this age to be an expression of what God is in this age. Many times it's been quoted here that she is him because that's what you are, is you are an expression of him. If you're not an expression of him, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. You can be Christian in name. You can be Christian in title. You can be Christian as part of a church. But the only real Christians there are is those that were in him there. And when he came to earth, we were in him there. When he was formed into flesh, he says, you're a part of God just as you're part of your earthly father. Notice now this attribute. Then this attribute was first God, the thought, 
the attribute itself all in one without being expressed. Then when he expressed secondarily, he became then the Word. And then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Brother Bram says, John, the first chapter. Okay. So that's what's happening here as we're describing it. You were there. In the Logos is the Lamb's book of life. You were there. In the very beginning of the first creation, before there was angels, before there was a universe, before there was anything, you were there. All right? And, and so I want to call this now in that if we go back before the beginning, and I love the way the Bible declares him, it says that God is love. All right? So if God is love, then when you were in there, can I say, you are love. That part of God that you are is love. There's no getting around it and there's no getting away from it because if it's God that's in you, it's his love that is in you. All right? So now, this is not human love because human love did not exist until the human spirit existed. All right? But to receive the love of God is to receive the power of God. The creative power of God because love is the greatest power that there is. It's God himself. And so the greatest power that there is is not human love, but it is God's love. I guess I didn't give you my title to start, but I'm really just carrying on from last time, Filiotrap Part 2. And so, uh, as I expressed it last time, we dealt a lot on filial love, and we'll talk about it again But I just want to say now, because God is here, he said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, his vessels are here. Are they? Are you his vessels? Then I'll say, because God is here and his vessels are here, then all things are possible. Because the mighty power of God's love is here. And it's not, now again, I don't want to get it confused with human love. We'll, we'll go into it. Turn with me to John 15 now. Now take your Bibles because we'll turn to a few scriptures here. John 15 and verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, some, so many times when we read that, we read that on a human love level. He's not, let, let me rephrase it for you. If you keep my commandments, You shall abide in the greatest power that there is. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in the greatest power that there is. It's not just love the way we look at it as a human being. He says, these things have I spoken unto you 
that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he says these words, which this verse is actually astounding if you read it in the Greek because it says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And the reason that it's astounding is because greater love is agapo or God's love, and I'll not refer to it as agapo and filio tonight, but let me talk about it as divine love and human love. All right, so, so he says, greater love, which is God's love, has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, which is a word that comes from filial love or human love. So he's talking about there's no greater love than to lay down your life for those you have human love for. My, it's an astounding statement when you really think about it because God's love is so much greater than just human love. It's so much greater than just human connections. And then he says, you are my friends, human love, philo again, or philos is the actual Greek word, if you do whatsoever, I command you. Brother Branham actually says in one place, agapo, or God's love and human love, are contrary one to another. And so they're, they're, they are so different that they sometimes become in opposition. And now these disciples, they were actually called the friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friends. And he called them friends here in a different place before they come to the new birth on the basis of their obedience to the word of God. But after the new birth, they weren't just friends. All right. After the new birth, they become joint heirs. Amen. After the new birth, we, come, we become the brethren of Jesus Christ. We can become joint heirs with him. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. We become the bride of Jesus Christ. So we can say we become the beloved of Jesus Christ. It goes beyond friendship. And, and uh, I said to my wife last time, uh, I don't know if this means anything to anybody, but I've heard the phrase before. I said, I said, I almost want to title it Escaping the Friend Zone. Yeah, I see some of you know what that means. It's talking about relationships between a man and a woman. If a relationship between a man and a woman is only a friendship, then there's no need to go further, but it's got to go further. Brother Brown talks about a three-room house and fellowship. He talks about fellowship in the kitchen and fellowship in the living room. But he says then when you go into the bedroom, he says that's more than friendship. That's more than fellowship. That's relationship. And that's what the Word of God has called us to in relationship with God. We're not just called to be a friend of God. And actually, if you read it in the Bible, the word friend is used by Jesus, but you won't find the word friend used by the disciples to the church, except for one place John talks about friends in that, but at chapter after chapter, Bible, verse, book after book, all of the New Testament, it says, to the beloved, to the beloved, to the beloved. So now it's going beyond just friends, but it's going into a beloved relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we're called to dwell in that kind of relationship from church to bride to catch the very mind of Christ, for the bride has the mind of Christ and she knows what he wants done with it. And now there's nothing wrong with the word friend. 
Can I say that? Sure it is. There's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with human love. It can go wrong, but there's nothing inherently evil of it. It's just a lesser form, a shadow of a shadow of a shadow. If we go actually looking into the scriptures, and this is just a study tonight, but if we look at it through the scriptures, Paul says in Hebrews to the Hebrews, he says, let brotherly love continue. All right? So brotherly love has a place in the body of Jesus Christ. All right? In 2 Peter chapter 1, it's, it's known as part of the stature of a perfect man. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, or brotherly love. It's the same thing. And, and, but then it says, and to brotherly kindness, love or God's love, or divine love. If you just come to brotherly kindness, it's an incomplete stature. If you just come to human love, it's not the completeness of what God has for you. He says, the completeness of your stature is that I would crown your life truly with my own love. Amen. Because we recognize without God's love, we're extremely limited. If we dwell in human love. So we since I preached on it last time, really, honestly, tonight I didn't even want to preach on this again. I just, just every time that I got into the depths of prayer, it just opened up some more. So I almost didn't want to pray anymore. You know, if that can be said. Because every time, you know, you get into that channel and it just opens up a little bit further and more of the Word of God opens up on this subject. And so you know you, that God has you in a trap. Preachers don't preach what they want to preach. They preach what God forces them to preach. And, and so a lot of times he forces them by not letting them see anything else in the Bible. But everywhere they look in the Bible, they only see that. You've been there, I'm sure. And they, so every scripture, it seems to jump out of that scripture. Last time I preached on it, I talked about Abraham and Ishmael. And how that Abraham's desire for Ishmael, he loved Ishmael. It was his son. It was human love, but Ishmael was not in the plan of God. He was not of the thoughts of God, and he was born of, of course, fleshly desires. All children are, but more than that, he was born of a misplaced promise of God. And so Abraham, you know, sought God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And, and, and God just told Abraham, and I want you to notice this about Abraham because this is a key characteristic of the father of the faith, in that he had this walk with God, that though he knew what human love was, God's love, or I'll say God's purpose, was greater than anything that he desired with his own thoughts. And God said to Abraham, he says, but Sarah shall have a son, and I will make my covenant with that son, and you'll call his name Isaac, and in him will the promise be. And, and so God established that with Abraham. And I'll go further to say that even Abraham having Isaac and having cast out Ishmael, and yet God heard Abraham's desire, and this is important, God heard Abraham's natural desire for his natural son and said, I have heard you concerning Ishmael and I will bless him. 
All right? So even his natural love brought a blessing of God upon Ishmael, and nations came out of Ishmael. But God established his promise with Isaac, and through Isaac, God was going to deal. But there came a point in Isaac's age, I don't remember exactly, about 14 years old, that God says to to, uh, Abraham, he says, now take Isaac and take him out and offer him upon the altar as, as a sacrifice unto me. See, there had to be something greater in Abraham's love than just human love. Because human love would never do that. There had to be a deeper walk with God and a greater purpose in his life than just natural love. And as I begin to study this, I begin to see this really reflected in Isaac and his sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was actually astounding to me Because Genesis 25, as it says about Isaac, it says, and Isaac loved Esau. I'll let that sink in for a minute. We know Isaac was a prophet of God. And the Bible says, Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. All right? So now, Isaac loving Esau, I want to ask you a question. What did God think about Esau? God hated Esau. Is that right? So now we have two opposing thoughts going on here. We have a man who loves his son and who wouldn't. Amen? Matter of fact, if we looked at the, at the family situation, we would say that Isaac looked at Esau more favorably than he looked at Jacob. Amen? And, and he loved Esau. He loved Esau because he was a man. He was a real man. You know, he was a hunter. And he was a man because Isaac, the Bible said, loved to eat of his venison. And, and, and he thought, Esau, that's my boy. You know, he, he's a boy after my own heart. And, you know, he's the one that I can really rely on. And all the while that Isaac is loving Esau, God hated Esau. Because the Bible says God hated Esau before they were born before either child had done right or wrong. And that's where Israel has such a problem in Malachi chapter 1 with the the love of God. Brother Branham takes it in the church age book. I won't read it, but but the Bible says in Malachi 1, it says, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. It says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet you say, wherein has you loved us? And God's reply is, was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord. Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Now, this is, an, uh, this is all amazing statements in the Bible. The Bible is all amazing statements, but I took this thought and I preached in Grand Prairie a couple weeks ago, and one of the things I did was took the graduation. They had a little graduation banquet for those that were graduating up there, and uh, amongst them was my oldest grandson. And so my first grandson was graduating from high school, and I feel a lot older now. And I, but I took this subject, and I says, you've got to defeat the dragons to get the gold. I said, Israel... And Edom went through the same wilderness. And Edom, or Esau's heritage, was laid waste for the dragons of the wilderness. 
But Israel went through the same wilderness and conquered it. It wasn't easy. It wasn't without some missteps. They could have been through it a lot faster. But God equipped them. God empowered them. In other words, God called Israel, as John said last week, his son. And he empowered his son to overcome the dragons because there was a promised land. There was an inheritance. There was a place that he would go to. And though the same dragons Esau could not conquer, Jacob, by faith in the word of God, could enter fully into the promise of God. Hallelujah. And God has called his offspring, his attributes, his expression in this hour to conquer all, to possess the Christ-like character that lays for them in the word of God, to possess the gold. But you have to conquer the wilderness. And you have to conquer the dragons in the wilderness. That's that's another subject. But it really inspired me and, and it inspired the young people too and I was glad for that. But Isaac was determined that Esau was going to get the blessing. Esau sold his birthright, but Isaac was determined. In in, uh, Genesis 27, it says, It came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I'm old. I know not the day of my death. Therefore, take your weapons and quiver and bow and go out in the field and make me, take me some venison and make me savory meat and bring it to me that I may eat and that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard him saying it. What a situation. Isaac was determined. He took Esau aside to himself. He says, now go and kill some, uh, go get me some venison, take your weapons, go get some fresh deer in the wilderness, and make some venison for me, and I love that so much, I know when I taste of it and when I eat it, my soul will bless you, and you will be blessed. But you know what? God had allowed Isaac to become blind. So that God's purpose would be established. Because even though Isaac in human love would have made a terrible mistake. God made sure that he didn't have the faculties with which to carry out his own desire. And so Rebecca instructed Jacob. What a family. The husband and the wife. Total agreement, right? 50-50. Everybody working together. We're all on the same side, right? No. The husband is saying, Esau's going to get the blessing. And Rebecca's saying, hey, Jacob, come here. Take these and make gloves of these skins and put some on the back of your neck and we'll put on some of Esau's garment. I'm going to cook some food just the way your dad likes it. And you go in and you lie to him. Is that right? Is that what she said? You go tell him you're Esau. And Esau said, he'll curse me. If he finds out that I'm Jacob and, and, and pretending to be Esau, he'll curse me. And, 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 uh, and Rebecca said, don't worry. 
it'll work. Why will it work? Because Rebecca actually had the mind of God more than her prophet husband. Oh, I know that doesn't feel good, does it? Kent's, listen, this was hard for me to, when, when this really hit me. Can a parent, by human love, miss the mind of God for their children? A prophet did. Lord, help us to go beyond human love. Lord, help us to rise up into the thoughts of God. Hallelujah. Paul picks this up actually in Romans chapter 9. Let's turn to Romans chapter 9. Are you with me so far? That was the hardest part. Okay. Praise the Lord. Now, Romans chapter 9, let's start at verse 13. As Paul picks up this thought, he says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. But where this comes from is actually Paul's human love for his brethren. So let's go back to the first verse here of chapter 9. And he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now, he's speaking about his natural desires. He's speaking about his human relations. I'll go further. He's speaking about his culture. He's speaking about the, the way that he was raised. He's speaking about his teaching. He's speaking about his respect for the worship of the Jews, of the teachers like Gamaliel at whose feet he learned. So he's speaking about all of these natural human connections. And he says, I have a great love for these people. Now think about the apostle Paul, whom God is calling as a Apostle of the Gentiles. But here's a man that has a great love for his natural brethren. But let's read a little bit further as Paul, praise the Lord, Paul wasn't just stuck in human love. But we'll go a little bit further here. He says, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Whose are the fathers? And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came? who is over all, God bless forever, amen. And then he makes a statement, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are Israel. Now he's looking beyond human love. Now he's looking beyond human connection and say, listen, it, it, it doesn't always appear the way things are. It's not always the way things appear in the natural there are things beyond the natural that are in the thoughts of God that we must be caught up in to catch the very inspiration of God. That is the beloved of the Lord. They that have the mind of God, for they have his word and they know what he wants done with it. And here's Paul the apostle saying now, he says, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
Now he's separating uh, this out here. He says, that is, they which are of the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now he's going beyond human connection. He says, for this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Not only this, also, but also Rebekah when she had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. And then he says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. That the purpose of election might stand. Now when we talk about the purpose of election, we have to go to the thought, as Brother Branham goes back to Malachi chapter 1, and he says, he says, Israel had such a hard time understanding the love of God, because they thought the love of God was like parental love, human love. They thought it was like the love of a parent to a child. But the love of God is not that way. The love of God is elective. Amen. And so Paul establishing here that the purpose of election might stand. The purpose of the love of God in his election. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Or in other words, in Esau, I have no love for Esau. I have nothing for him. He's not in my covenant. He's not in my place. There's nothing there. Though in human love, Esau had a place in Isaac's life. Even when we find many years later after Isaac had run away, 20 years later, I guess it was, and he went and got a wife, Rachel, and he got another wife, Leah, and had all those children and came back now after six years more of labor. And so after all of that, he comes back. Who was leading the household of Isaac? It was Esau. And all the servants came after him. And he had all the possessions and everything like that. And so Esau, as far as naturally was concerned, he had a natural connection to Isaac. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is not a parent's love for a child or a child loves, child's love for a parent. The greatest thing is our love for God and God's love for us. Can you accept that tonight? That's hard, especially for mothers, isn't it? Because a mother's love is so great and so powerful and, 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 and makes her to overcome great obstacles in a life and in a family and become the center of the family and all of those things. But there's a greater love. But there's a greater something, and it's not based upon human connection. Brother Branham goes... In, into it in the detail. Brother Jean read out of the church age book. I, was, I went back to his service to make sure I wasn't reading the same quotes he was reading because uh, I didn't want to just repeat some of these things, and I'm not. But he read some out of the Smyrnian chapter of the church age book. If you haven't read that chapter recently, just pick up the church age book and read the Smyrnian church age where Brother Branham really lays out sonship and the purpose of election and God's love and all of those things just in that chapter. Let me read a portion. Are you still with me? All right. He says, before I close this subject, I know there's a question in your mind. 
you will want to know if I believe in the doctrine of pre-existence. I don't believe in that Mormon doctrine of pre-existence of souls any more than I believe in reincarnation or transmigration of souls. Be careful here and see this. It is not the person that comes predestinated eternally from God. It is the word or seed. That is it. Way back there, too far back for the human mind to grasp. You won't understand it. I certainly don't understand it. No matter how you look at it and you take this statement that Brother Branham makes and that statement that Brother Branham makes and the statements in the Scripture and all of these things of the things that came out of eternity, I put them all together and one thing that I understand is that I don't fully understand them. That's the thing that I understand the most about them. And he says, too far back for the human mind to grasp the eternal God with eternal thoughts, thought and decreed, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Remember, God cannot think a new thought. All right? And then Brother Brown says, Romans 9. He says, and neither was born, and neither had done good or evil. See, it was the thought. And then that thought became expressed. And God bought back Jacob because Jacob alone was seed. You see, God knows who you are. And if he has to let your prophet daddy go blind to bring you the fullness of what he has for you, he will do it. God knows who you are. He knows you're a son. He knows you're a daughter. He in his sovereignty will not lose one. He will not allow Satan to override his plan in any way, shape, or form. There is, I love the one Brother Branham says. I love those statements. There's nothing out of order. Everything is in order. You say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through, Brother Tim. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. But I know one thing. It's all in order. And God has a purpose in it all. And it might not be understandable to us. Certainly when Esau came in from the field, he did not understand how Jacob could do that. I'm sure Jacob in himself didn't know he had enough courage, thinking, going in with trepidation, thinking, oh, if my father finds out I am a cursed man, this could be the end of my life or this could be the blessing of my life. And God blessed him because the blessing comes through the vessel. See, many times we don't understand how much God arranges filial love in order to create a channel for his divine love to flow through and bring bring the blessing to the individual. Hallelujah. God will allow things to happen in your lives that seem so out of order and out of cater because he wants to bring you to a place. He wants to bring you to a place that's higher than any other place you've ever known. Like the John in the book of Revelation where the Spirit calls to him, come up higher, John. You've seen these things, but now come up higher. I say to the bride of Jesus Christ, come up higher. You got to come up out of your human love. You got to come above your human love. We Human love is okay at that level, but there's much, much more that God has for you. Are you with me tonight? Hallelujah. 
He says, he had re- Jacob alone had the seed, and that is why he had respect to the birthright and the covenant of God. If you are the, our true seed, you will hear the word, and the Spirit will baptize you into the body of Christ, filling you and empowering you. Amen. Empowering you for what? As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Filling you and empowering you. And you will receive the word for your day and your age. Hallelujah. You will. You're a child of God. You're going to receive it. It's unavoidable. It might look like the circumstances are all upside down. That has nothing to do with it. I'll go further. I'll say your children might look upside down. You know, your family might look like this a long ways from what you've tried to achieve. But don't count on what you've tried to achieve. Raise your head up into a heavenly realm and see that God has a purpose. And God is going to declare and manifest that purpose. You know, the Apostle Paul goes further. I have to hurry because I'm almost out of time and I've just begun. Galatians chapter 3 says, As many of you have been baptized unto Christ have put on Christ. Amen. Now I feel like I'm in Africa. It's a little bit warm in here. <laughs> Brother Michael said the air conditioning is having trouble catching up. Uh, but nevertheless, welcome to Africa. Praise the Lord if you feel a little bit warm. As many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek. Here's the Apostle Paul to the Galatian church. The one who said, I have a burden for my own people. Now he's declaring to the Gentiles, there's neither Jew nor Greek here. All right? He says, there's neither bond nor free. He says, and as pertaining to the covenant, there's neither male nor female. You brothers and you sisters, this isn't the the male-female idea of this age he's talking about. This is another in the covenant that God doesn't have, uh, how can I say, daughters-in-law. God has daughters God has daughters. God has sons. God has you individually, and you individually have a right. Who caught the revelation of God between Isaac and Rebekah? Rebekah caught the revelation of God, and she held to that, even though that's all she knew, but she had the revelation of God. So this Pharisee of the Pharisees had to come to the confession, if you be in Christ, then, you, then are you Abraham's seed? And heirs according to the promise. He stood there writing to the Galatians saying, listen, my flesh doesn't count anything when it comes to this covenant. I I was a Jew. I was strict. I lived holy. Nobody could lay a finger on my life. But that doesn't mean anything. It's all by faith in Jesus Christ. And that alone. Back in the church age book, Brother Branham says, remember the the cloudy skies and storms of life are no signs of God's disapproval. Neither are bright skies and still waters signs of his love and approval. His approval of any of us, I love the way he says this, is only in the beloved. Amen. We were in the beloved. That makes us beloved. Amen. His love is elective. 
which he had for us before the foundation of the world. Does he love us? Yes. But how shall we know? We shall know because he said so. It's as simple as that. He said he loved us and brought his word, revealed his word to us, telling us that he loved us. All things work together for good. To those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And Brother Branham uh, takes the thought of love. He says, we must never consider Christ the object of human love. It's not that kind of love in the Bible. It's divine love. And when you enter into a divine relationship with God of his love, that is the love that he has ordained for us and knew us in before the foundation of the world. I have to press on. I know I'm, I'm giving you a lot here, but I, I, I want to get to just a few ex- more examples here. He says, how shall I prove my love to him? By believing what he said. Do you believe him tonight? By believing what he said and conducting myself with joy amidst the trials that he in his wisdom allows to come to pass. Amen. Sometimes we can go to church with filial love. I think Joshua did one time. As God purposed that he was going to take the anointing from Moses and put it on the elders, the 70 elders. And of course, the, in Numbers chapter 11, it says, The Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was on him and gave it to the 70 elders, and it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. One of them was Eldad and the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out of the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there run a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua was there. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord, Moses, forbid them. Hello? Are you with me? God had just come down, spoke to Moses, says, I'm taking your spirit and put it on 70. Two of the 70 stay in the tabernacle, stay under the anointing of the Lord, and they just keep prophesying. They're they're just anointed of the Spirit of God and they keep prophesying there. And a young man comes and runs into into where Moses is and says, there's two men, Eldad and Bedad, and they're prophesying in the church. Forbid them, Moses. Why is he asking Moses? Or he doesn't say forbid them. He just tells Moses. But Joshua turns to Moses and says, Moses, forbid them. Now why why Joshua says that is written right here. It says, says, and, uh, and Moses said to Joshua, Envious thou for my sake? You see, there was a natural connection between Moses and Joshua. Joshua was loyal to the heart with Moses. This is Moses' position. This is Moses' place. This is Moses, and everything rests upon Moses. But in not catching what God was doing at that particular moment, he didn't see up into the thoughts of God, but he dwelt just on that human plane of his loyalty to Moses. And he says, Moses, forbid them. Don't let them do that. 
And that's what Moses says. Envious thou for my sake. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Hallelujah. He's, Moses is in the spirit. He says, this is wonderful. Oh, that all Israel would prophesy. Glory to God. What a meeting we would have. Hallelujah. Not like what I saw when I came down off the mountain and the people were in the flesh. I would to God that the spirit of God rest upon everybody. And let everybody walk in the Spirit. Let everybody prophesy. Let everybody love the Word. Let everybody be filled with God. Let everybody fulfill the purpose of God in their life. Let everybody overcome. Hallelujah. Oh, my, let me just take my liberty this tonight. Oh, Joshua, I think Moses, Moses, you ought to, you ought to really just have a prayer line and pray for everybody. No, let everybody get healed. Let everybody catch the revelation of the word. Let the spirit of God come on everybody. As he spake these words, the spirit of God fell on them that heard those words. Oh, I think we ought to have this kind of action or that kind of action. No, don't worry about it. Just let the spirit of God come on them. Hallelujah. We love anointed men of God. I would have loved to be Joshua. And stand there upholding Moses' arms. And actually it was Aaron and the other one. But, you know, just figuratively speaking, supporting Moses in any way that he could. The next leader in the camp just standing there and say, oh my, let me just, let me just put everything upon Moses. But Moses, Lord, let God put, on, put it on whom he's going to put it on. And if they prophesy and it comes to pass, who's to argue against that? Amen. Moses had already laid out the word of how to tell whether somebody's a prophet or not. It is already there laying in the word. We can go to Jonathan and David. What a great example of two men that loved each other. And Saul, Jonathan's father, King Saul, was a great example of, of corrupted filial love. How Saul initially loved David, gave him his daughter to marry, but it wasn't long before Saul became jealous of David. And then it wasn't long after that till Saul actually hated David. All in a human love realm. And it became corrupted and became very poor and, and, and just became a, a source. You know, that's why Brother Branham says in one place, the difference between God's love and human love is that human love, and this goes to what you were talking about, Brother Tom, uh, human love is if somebody offended your wife you would want to beat him up or you'd want him to go to hell, right? As Brother Tom was explaining to us on Sunday, if somebody offended your wife, you, you know, I've seen cases where somebody's family member was murdered and, and the, the rest of the family, when they're convicted, you know, they scream out, I hope your soul rots in hell. That's human love. But God's love would pray for that person. Oh God, is there any way you could save his soul? Oh Lord, is there any way that he could be spared? That's the difference that Brother Tom was talking about, as Brother Biskel had talked to him about it. And I think that's a great example. And, and, and Saul, in his human love realm, could not see past his family. His possessions and, and, and his positions and, and, and how that, you know, uh, but his son Jonathan, what a different heart he had 
than his father Saul. As Jonathan looked at David, now remember the rest of Israel looked at Jonathan as the next heir to the throne. Amen? Now, we see behind the scenes in the Bible and understand that God anointed David to be king. But as far as Israel itself was concerned, that was not a public anointing. That was a very secret anointing. Matter of fact, Samuel was scared that Saul would kill him if he ever found out about it. And so David being anointed, but yet Saul, uh, under that great uh, position and desire and, and all of those things that he had, he even said to Jonathan, you don't even understand the mistake you're making. I'm paraphrasing, but you don't understand the mistake you're making by hanging around with David. He's going to take the throne from you. The throne is yours. It's, it's the one you're going to possess. And, and, but Jonathan didn't pay attention to that. Oh, I love this. I love this story because there Jonathan and David are saying their goodbyes because David has to flee into the wilderness, go off into the cave where people would gather themselves to him. And there was, the, there was Jonathan declaring to David, listen, man, it's, it's your throne. I know you're the next king. And I know that David says, no, 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 Jonathan, don't say that. And they're, they're just emotional together. But David says those wonderful words. He says, Jonathan, your love to me is greater than the love of a woman. What's he saying? He's saying, your love is greater than human love. Jonathan had reached into a realm, even though he wasn't there when David was anointed, but he could see the purpose of God in David's life. Hallelujah. Oh, saints, that's where the rest is. It's not in the circumstances. It's not in this happening or that happening. It's just saying, oh, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, may you be glorified in all of this. Hallelujah. It wasn't about the relationship, humanly speaking. It was about the love of God. And now if I could take it just a little bit deeper for you. It was about the logos that was manifesting at that particular time. The thoughts and the expression of God in that day was David beloved of the Lord. That was something, a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus confronted the same thing with the disciples. You know, John, the apostle of love, he says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name. And he doesn't follow us, so we forbid him. I hope this doesn't step on any toes, but I'll say it this way. He doesn't come to our church, so we forbid him. Jesus said, there's no man. He says, forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. Amen. It's not up for us to decide, Lord, help us. Who is of God and who isn't of God? It's for us to walk in what God gives us to do. May the Lord ever lead the pastor here. May the Lord ever lead the church here. May the Lord ever lead you individually. But we don't answer for what goes on outside. 
We don't answer for somebody else. If God blesses them, may God bless them. If God uses them, may God use them. May God raise up mighty miracles all around this world, more than what we've just seen in Cloverdale. And who was praying today? Who was, Michael was praying. I think he was talking about what we've seen here and the miracles and the cancer. Praying for the cancer of that sister and, and how that we've seen God raise up cancer. May cancer be cast out of every believing church. Amen. May the power of God move every church into a full faith and a perfect faith which is a rapturing faith in these last days till everybody, every member of the body of Jesus Christ, I don't care if they're in Cloverdale, if they're in Canada, if they're in the United States, if they're in Europe, if they're in Africa, India, Asia, wherever it might be, Australia, I don't mean to leave anybody out, wherever they are, may the power of God raise people up above a human realm and a human thinking into the very mind of God and know that cancer is no more than a toothache. Hallelujah, because we're sons of God. Because the love of God is the greatest power that there is. Amen. You still with me? All right, it's time for me to close. So I'll look for an exit here. Almost need a GPS to get off the highway here. I just want to deal with one aspect and then I'll close. There's many aspects here. Sometimes, and this is for our church, sometimes we're born into a family that doesn't even know filial very well. That doesn't even know human love very well. I was fellowshipping with a brother on this subject, really opened this up for me. And, uh, and I began to look back at my own family and my parents and the difficulties that they went through in life and the kind of relationship they did or didn't have and all of those things. And I began to, I began to ask God. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel good or bad. I just want to share. This is just something personal. I began to ask God, did I even have the love of a mother? Did I even know what that was? As my mother, my dad and mom never divorced, but she was of a particular type of nature, worked full time, never even nursed her children, and uh, you know, sent them off to daycare so she could go back to work and all of those kind of things. All I knew was babysitters and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, it's no wonder my natural makeup is so twisted up. And, and I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me. That's not the point. I believe the love of God overrides all those things. All right. But sometimes, even in message homes, people that believe the message of the hour the natural human love doesn't always come naturally because maybe the way they were raised or maybe the way uh, 
events happened, maybe because of uh, brokenness comes to the home or something, or there's all kinds of different situations. And listen, this isn't psychology. This is what the Word says. This is what Brother Branham's talked about. And he talked about, he talked about it from different angles. And if the passion in the natural isn't there, there is only one thing that can make natural love what it's meant to be, and that's by surrendering fully to the love of God. Because I believe that divine love will bring human love to its rightful position. But sometimes it takes the new birth to do that. And I thank God for the new birth. That, and I'll just say, if, if it wasn't for the new birth in my life, I'm quite sure that I would have perpetuated the problems of my own parents and their relationship and the extended family and all, all of the kind of things. And we could, talk about, we could talk about makeup and, excuse me, but we could talk about German background and we could talk about different natures and we could talk about cultures and we could talk about uh, all kinds of ideas of legalism and churchianity and all of those kind of things that go. The one thing that every believer, every son or daughter of God needs to find is that is the love of God in their life that will even bring their human love into position where it needs to be. And, and, and I was talking to somebody and he said, you know, my parents were never big on the, on the human love aspect. He says, but one thing they did was they loved the word. He says, and that always taught me that get the love of God at all costs. Even if humanly speaking, I didn't have a very good relationship with my parents. They really believed in God. And that taught me that that was of some value. I'm just sharing this with you from my own personal experience. Because even in marriage, a husband to a wife, natural love and natural feelings that you have one another, that's why Brother Branham said, before you get married, you better pray through. You better make sure it's the will of God. Because human love won't take you where you need to go. The statistics about marriage in North America right now is about 50-50. And it's actually worse than that because a lot of people aren't even getting married. They're just skipping marriage because they know there's really not much hope in, in making a vow until death do us part. But we still believe in the vow. We still believe it's until death we do part. Amen? And so there, uh, you know, but it, with, with those kind of odds, and I say this, I guess, for young people, you better make sure that you've prayed through because if you don't have God, you might not beat the odds. You need God to beat the odds in this hour. We could talk about... Ah, I see an exit coming up. Praise the Lord. Human love is good, but God's love is greater. We want, we want God's love, but let brotherly love continue. Love one another. Be good to one another. The Bible calls it brotherly kindness. Be kind to one another. Remember that that person is a part of the body of Jesus Christ. 
I was, I was uh, sitting here communion night, right in that chair there. Murphy wondered what I was doing at the end of communion service. He thought, this guy's crazy. And I was sitting here, and they passed the bread out. And when I took the bread off the, off the, the, the pan, the piece of bread, I didn't realize that it was already partially broken, and a piece of it fell on the floor. And so I picked that up, and I noticed that it was there, but now there was crumbs on the floor. And I, I thought to myself, well, that's still part of his body, figuratively speaking. And so I started to pick up the crumbs. And then when I was doing that, the other piece fell on the floor. <laughs> what a klutz. And, and so I picked that up, and there was more crumbs on the floor. And I, and I thought, Lord, I can't even let those crumbs lay on that floor, lest I step on them. And it represents your body. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He was dealing with me, and I didn't know it. And he said, don't ever look at a brother or a sister and step on them. Even if they're only a crumb in the body of Jesus Christ. Don't ever step on them. Because if you will be that concerned about a piece of bread, what about the least in the body of Jesus Christ? I just had to say, Lord, forgive me. If I've ever stepped on a brother, if I've ever stepped on anybody, I, I, I want you just to forgive me. And then, now Brother Murphy knows what I was doing. And then when Brother Tom dismissed to, to go in foot washing, I just got down and picked up every crumb, put it in my mouth. I didn't care if I got carpet fibers. I didn't care. I said, Lord, I want to take every crumb and partake of every part of the body of Jesus Christ. Don't let me ever disrespect one person in the body of Jesus Christ no matter how little they are. I'll just tell one little story and we'll close. Musicians can come. Brother Branham talks about a situation and uh, how that there's this little woman in Memphis and how that she, you know the story, she had a boy and the boy got in amongst the wrong crowd and uh, how that she, um, she was so concerned about her boy because he contracted a disease. And by a mother's love for her son, she began to call on God and say, Oh God, don't let my boy perish. Don't let him die unsaved. In one place, Brother Branham said when I talked to her, he says she didn't even want, want to hear about divine healing. She just wanted to know that his soul was saved. And, you know, because she had broken into another realm that his brother Branham in a plane flew over the, the area and, the, and was, the plane had to land because of a storm that arose up. And, and uh, as, of the play, as he was there overnight in the hotel room and then the next morning he went to post some letters and you know the story, he started walking down the street and went this way and went this way and the Holy Spirit said, 
keep walking and he ended up in a poor area of town and as he's walking just early early in the morning must have been just daybreak and he's he's walking down the street and he sees a black woman leaning on the on on the fence there just waiting and he walks past her and she says good morning parson and he knew that was it and she she says i i've been you've heard of the shunammite woman i'm like a shunammite woman she says, and God gave me a son, and now that son is dying. And I prayed for God, if I'm a Shunammite woman, where's your Elijah? And God sent his Elijah. Amen? And there he was walking down the street, and he says, he says well, have you ever heard of, my name's William Branham, have you ever heard of me? No, I've never heard of you, Mr. Branham, and uh, Reverend Branham. And so she, he, she says, please come in. He says, I never felt so at home, and I'm paraphrasing, and, and she she explains the situation of her son, and her son's like, in his, in his mental condition, he's out on the water in a fog, and he he's, he's, thinks he's in a boat, and he can't find the shore, and he says, it's so cold out here, and it's so dark out here, and he, he's becoming hallucinating, and all of that, and his, his physical condition is getting lower and lower, and, and, his, and his mother just pats him on the forehead or, uh, and, and says, you know, Mama's baby, she says. Mama's baby. And Brother Brown says, that's right. She says, no matter what he does, a mother's love will always reach out to him. But he says, he says, no matter how demoral and how debauched, whatever it is, no matter how old, a mother's love wades right on through it. He says, and then I thought, if a mother's love will do that, how much more will the love of God do. May the Lord raise us up a little bit higher tonight. Not to be entrapped in the realm of human love, though human love in itself has some good points. But God is calling us to come up to a higher place. God is calling us to, to desire more than our own desires, but to desire his desires. I don't know if you still have that slideshow from, that I sent in on the Sunday school. Is that still on the system? Um, you know, a lot of missionary work, excuse me for going to mission work here, but a lot of missionary work is based on filial love, human compassion, feeling sorry for somebody because they're lesser than you or because they can't afford uh, anything. Um, it might be under Bolivia or Amara. I don't see it. No, it's not there. All right. But I had little slides I was going to show you tonight. Maybe I should have, I should have resent it. But uh, I had little slides of the little uh, tribe in Bolivia that is getting the benefit. There it is right there. Thank you. Put that slide up. And... Uh, that is getting the benefit of the Sunday school offerings. We didn't have time when the Sunday school offerings for, were given. There was a baby dedication. There was communion that night. There was so much going on. And so we didn't have time to show you this or show the children this. But I thought, I'm going to put this on tape for the children because they had raised and exceeded Brother Richard their, their, their projected goal. And I've been sending these to Brother Richard. I thought, someday I'm going to put them up on the screen. And there's a little brother in Bolivia called uh, Brother Bautista, and this is in the Amara language. And he's been doing 
a few translations. He's not a great translator, but he's done a few. And, uh, and he has, but he has a great burden for the Amara people, which is a people you will probably never, ever meet in this life. They are a tribal people that live on the border of uh, Bolivia and Peru in that area. And so they, they didn't have the message in their own language. And he, he sent me a request a couple years back. He said, Brother Tim, there's a brother over here who has a print station. It's broken down. Is it all right if I get the print station and repair the print station so I can print the message? And I said, yeah, please do. And so he did. And then he wrote me another. He says, you know, I, I don't have very much money. I could use some paper and, 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 and some supplies, some ink to be able to print the message for the Amara people. So I sent him a little bit of money to do that. These are things that happen in missions that we don't often get a chance to share. And so then, then after a while, he says, you know, I need a stapler. And, and uh, he says, uh, if I could just uh, get a stapler, a better stapler, which helped me so much. So I sent him money for a good stapler, not, not just a little office stapler, but something that's industrial quality. And so he bought himself a stapler so he could begin to make out these books for the people. And I said, listen, Brother uh, Bautista, we don't have many translations in these languages. Why don't you do another translation? I gave him a list of 10 messages. Why don't you do a translation, uh, say once a month or something, and I'll pay you for the translation, and you can use that money to help your people and to print books and supplies and everything. And so then Brother Richard came to me at the beginning of the Sunday school year and said, Brother Tim, is there anything, that, any project that the Sunday school children could take up? I said, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. There's this project in Bolivia. It's a small project. But I said the, the, the children could give towards that so the Amara people could receive the message in their language, and that's what they've been doing all year, and that's what Brother Bautista has been doing. So based on the offerings that have been coming in for missions and the Sunday school, though we just received them by faith, I was taking that money and sending it to him for translations so that he could have it. And these are the Amara people receiving message books there in Bolivia. It's not out of human love that we do this, but out of a recognition that there are probably seed of God in that Amara tribe. And we, by the, catching the mind and the purpose of God in this hour to send the uh, message of the hour into their language, so this little brother, and I call, only call him little, is because in our eyes his ministry is little. There's no little with God. All right? He's not a little brother. He's a brother in the faith. And he's doing a work of the Lord there. And he has a burden for God's people. You can see there are great colorful people in the way that they dress. I just love the, the way that they dress here. They are a different place having a, more meetings, more books being given out. There they are receiving the message books that the Sunday school children have raised the funds for. Praise be to God. Amen. Go ahead. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. This brother, Brother Bautista, you know, he might, he might not have thought that he was, uh, he had a great opportunity to do something great for the Lord, but he put a bullet in the gun, and he sent an email, and God connected him with us here so that we could give him just a little bit of help, and through that, he's able to sow the message amongst those people 
And I believe that rapturing faith lays in those messages. And the message that has quickened you is the same message that quickens them. Amen. So that's the Amara language. You pray for them there. Let's stand together. I have a father. He knows my name. I have a maker. I have a maker. He formed my heart. And before even time began, my life. notes, I have all of the quotes that Brother Brown talked about his children. He talked about Billy Paul and how he hoped he'd be a minister. How he hoped that he'd help his daddy in the ministry and take up his Bible. But he says he never did. And he says, I guess God didn't call him to preach. Another place he had high hopes for Rebecca. He even says in one place, I hope that she uh, is able to, I, all right, I think he said, well, I have it here. I believe one day she'll take over for me. Quite a statement for his daughter, Rebecca. But you know what? That was a father's desire for his daughter. I had a lot of statements about Joseph and Joseph Branham and uh, the things that he desired for his own son, as any father would desire for their son. And my point is not about Brother Branham's children here. But Brother Branham, and I think someone touched on it recently, Brother Branham had to come to the place in his life, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. He had to go beyond human love and raise up into divine love. Are you with me? He had to catch the mind of God in this. I realized I was in him before the foundation of the world. It's not my human parents. It's God, my father. I'm not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. Now I'll go further and say, each one of Brother Branham's children have to recognize I'm not the son of William Branham. Hello? It's the same principle. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. It's the same for Brother Branham's children. It's the same for me. It's the same for these brothers. It's the same for you. You've got to come to the position that you realize the human parenting is only of the fleshly body. 
The soul came from God. The seed gene come from God. My name was on the book of his love, God's love before the foundation of the world. It doesn't matter what my earthly parents were. Hallelujah. Why are you so quiet? Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter where my earthly parents come from. It doesn't matter what my earthly lineage is. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You come from God and you go back to God. And it's a revelation so that it's not... And I thought about it this way. I said this in Ethiopia. I said, I don't have to have the last name Branham to say this is my daddy's message. This is my daddy's message. Not my earthly daddy, my heavenly father. Every one of Brother Brown's children could say the same thing. This is my father's message. Father, Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Ray nor Wong nor Dodd nor Branham nor Laycock nor anything else. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We've moved out of the filial love realm into the agapo love realm. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? It's not my earthly lineage. It's my heavenly lineage. I have a father and he knows my name. I have a father. He knows his own. And he'll never leave me. No matter where I go. What a great honor and privilege it is to say those words. Our Heavenly Father. We bow before your throne. So thankful for the heritage that we have in you, Lord. So thankful, Lord, that you have redeemed us out of every kindred and tongue and nation. When I look at these pictures of my brothers and sisters in Amara, in Bolivia, in Peru, Lord. I don't see tribal people. I don't see just different dress. I don't see a foreign language. I see a brother. I see a sister. I see someone that you died for, Lord. I see someone that you sent a prophet in this generation to declare your message to them, Lord that they might be quickened 
and recognize themselves as sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, I pray for everyone that is here this evening, whether it be in the church or whether it be listening to this service through the media of the internet. Lord, I pray that you'll pour in the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you'll pour in your divine love, for the Holy Spirit is your divine love. And Lord, I pray that you'll quicken them and raise them up above what human love can show them. And raise them up in the perfect stature of a man of the image of Jesus Christ. And cause them, Lord, to have that character that is so reflected of you, that gold tried in the fire. Lord, that is so conquer all things and stand true to your word so that you can send your power in them and through them, creating a token all around them. The token, Lord, you sent did not come to make us better at human love. It came, Lord, that we might have a divine love that will rise above and create an atmosphere that's greater than any human element can bring. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, you've brought us here tonight. Thank you for every brother, every sister. Thank you for your word. We commit the service unto you, and we ask your blessing upon it and upon the people's lives in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him? Amen. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. I feel like singing another song, but the time has run out. God bless you. I'll dismiss you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.